We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the vault and welcome into our instant reaction episode. As always, a podcast here covering the Baltimore Ravens. This is a live stream special edition simulcasting on YouTube and Facebook. I'm Bobby Trossett, as always, joined by my partner and co-host Sarah Ellison. And the special occasion, of course, it's offseason, not quite the dead of offseason yet. Matter of fact, it's felt like anything but over the last few days since the Ravens went one and done in the playoffs to Cincinnati, Sarah. But we're, of course, first and foremost, going to address the news that came down the pike right before the end of season press conference that was conducted by head coach John Harbaugh and general manager Eric DaCosta. So why don't we start there before we give a full breakdown of what we learned throughout the nearly an hour, I believe. I got to go look at the timestamp, but it was a long press conference. But the news of the day and I know a lot of folks in Ravens country are feeling as if it's Christmas Day in a lot of ways. And that is the fact that after four years as uh, the offensive coordinator in Baltimore, Greg Roman has decided to depart the organization. He had one more year left on that contract, which we actually, uh, after kind of scouring the Internet, including Jeff Zrebeck's tweets, we believe that this was actually the the end of his contract and that he had the team had an option on it. That was not the case. And so after four years and he'd actually been with the team as a uh, John Harbaugh assistant since 2017, his time in Baltimore has come to an end. Your immediate reaction when that came down the timeline earlier. My immediate reaction was that it was time. It was the right move for the right time. Um, just to clarify, I it, it is true that they only had, they had one more opt-out year. ESPN reported that today. I don't know if people are reporting different things, but there, if you go to ESPN's Jamison Hensley's story on it now, it does say that there was one more year that is believed to be an opt-out year. So, um, so they didn't opt in, which was the correct move. Um, I loved the way that they did it. Uh, there's no reason to, Listen, they let him go. And, you know, they use the words of, um, you know, he's going to go explore other opportunities. So I like the way they do that. I mean, you know, I have a hard time thinking that, you know, it was Roman that came into John's office and was like, hey, I'm going to go explore. I don't have any other opportunities yet, but but I'm going to go and explore them. 
But that's the Ravens. That's the Ravens' way. They're not looking to trample anybody. They're not looking to drag anybody. You know, you, you want him to leave with his his head held high. And so, what they did is they try to celebrate his accomplishments, and he did accomplish a lot. I mean, he's you know one of the brightest minds when it comes to putting together uh, you know a running game, a running scheme. Um, you know, he had three. Th- two back-to-back 3,000-yard seasons and 16-game 16, 16 seasons. Um, it was it was incredible. And in a lot of ways, you can see from his point of view, I mean, injuries really hurt him the last two years. He couldn't recapture that 2019 year. I mean, injuries two years in a row. He's losing his starting quarterback. I mean, last year, he didn't have a starting left tackle. He didn't have any of his running backs. I mean, he was decimated. Having said all that, that was why I was patient in giving him this year. Even though Lamar finished – on the injury, you know, kind of sideline, the Ravens offense, even with Lamar out there, became stagnant. It just wasn't progressing. And on top of it, they were very bad in the red zone, even with Lamar Jackson. And on top of it, Greg just seemed to not have a feel for situational play calling. And that was like my biggest frustration towards the end there. That you know, you you he forgot about guys like Gus Edwards, or he forgot about J.K. Dobbins, and all of that, or he would just try to outthink the room when when the uh, the answer is staring him right right in the in the eye. So, you know, assuming that the Raven, that Lamar Jackson is back this year, whether it's through a franchise tag, and we'll get into Lamar in a little bit, I'm happy. I will be happy if it ends up that we get to see Lamar with a different coordinator, somebody else that can come in and have fresh ideas because they just haven't been able to recapture 2019. It's the right time. And we thank Greg for everything he did. And now let's get some new blood in. Yeah, I definitely have some thoughts on how Harbaugh actually mentioned that uh, Lamar is going to be involved in the search, the ongoing search for their next offensive coordinator. We'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, Again, thanks for being with us on this instant reaction simulcast. Over 400 people watching live right now. Do us a favor. And if you have a question that you want answered during our Q&A later on in today's stream, uh, donate if you can through the YouTube Super Chat feature. There's going to be a lot of questions coming in today. We're going to prioritize them. You you cut the line if you throw a donation in there. But uh, to your point, this was, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, again, for those that are listening in, po- in in podcast form later on, I'll read you the statement, but it's up on the screen for those tuning in live. And this was from the Ravens, their official statement after parting ways with Greg. They wrote, Greg has led the development and success of a record-setting offense in Baltimore for several seasons. He is a tremendous football coach as well as a family man and person. Greg devised and led our offense to no fewer than 26 historical NFL and franchise achievements. He established an identity for our offense. We are grateful for Greg's great work and abilities, and we wish him and his wonderful family the utmost happiness moving forward. So we'll see where he ends up, Sarah. I think um, it'd be naive for us to sit here and think that, uh, you know, he won't, that 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 uh, that he won't be, you know, how should I say it? He's not going to be unemployed for very long. I, I would I wouldn't expect. I'm not sure if it's going to be an offensive coordinator role um, around the league, but maybe it's a run game coordinator slot. At the same time, when you look around the league and the news cycle, just within the last 48 hours, 
There's like close to double digit openings right now at the offensive coordinator position. So who knows? He could get some interest. Is it 10? There you go. And in the NFL, not to mention college and, you know, everywhere else, but it's 10. Yeah. So Bobby, that's going to be, that's competition for the Ravens, right? That's, that's big time competition. Everybody's looking for the next brightest, you know, big name in, in, in offensive yeah. philosophy and scheming. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, we'll, we'll get to that in just a bit here because there's going to be internal options. And as you just heard, I mean, obviously there's going to be external options because of how many openings there are and because of how many relationships uh, John Harbaugh and his staff have around the league. But I wanted to bring up a tweet from Robert Griffin III before we kind of move on from the Greg Roman topic at hand. By the way, I don't think anybody's going to yell at us for continuing to talk about the Greg conversation because everybody's <laughs> thrilled. Everybody's thrilled that this took place today. We knew it was coming uh we just the writing was on the wall and the partnership had run its course we've we've known this for weeks if not months and maybe even some fans would say years but here's rg3 who's been extremely outspoken as you've probably seen online as you maybe have heard in this morning's uh the vault episode that we put forth but rg3 tweeted out the following not long after the news was released he said greg roman may be the maybe one of the greatest run game tacticians I have ever been around at the NFL level running backs and tight ends love his system because they eat wide receivers. Absolutely hate it. That's why free agent wide receivers didn't want to go to or stay in Baltimore. It was never about Lamar Jackson. And if this tweet doesn't summarize the entire conversation, I'm not sure what does. Yeah. I mean, he hit the nail on the head. I mean, but it's not anything new, right? Like we've been, we've been saying this for a while when we've said this, where it's like the Ravens have a reputation for guys wanting to come play here. That doesn't mean they get 100% of the people, but they have a reputation um, where guys want to play here. They feel like they get treated well. Marcus Peters is one of those guys that are like, I refound my joy here. Roquan Smith, after being here for a couple of months, he's like, yep, forget free agency. I want to stay here. This feels like my home. Now, that doesn't mean there's not people that leave that are not, you know, happy with it. So they don't bat 100. Um, and so, but but they are known for that. Except for, especially recently, at the wide receiver position. Now, that's a position where people are consistently unhappy in Baltimore. And we've talked about this, where people will leave frustrated. Uh, Hollywood Brown asked for a trade because he just felt like, you know, they didn't need him. And the way they run their defense offense, you know, maybe he was right. Uh, Deshaun Jackson seemed to have left in frustration, and it was kind of out of nowhere. You know, that's kind of the latest one. And there were guys that the Ravens apparently offered more money to. I'm trying to think if – I think Juju Smith-Schuster's one, and um, you can go on and on. And so – and we'll get to this more as we go through the press conference. That is one thing that, that really stood out to me. It was one of my takeaways from the press conference is – is their desire to rebuild the wide receiver room. And right. I think right. that that starts, though, with an offensive coordinator that is known for using <laughs> wide sure. receivers. So the other thing, I don't know if you have this tweet, but I thought it was very telling. Lamar Jackson retweeted it with a, you know, thank you to, to what the person had said. I don't remember who, who, who tweeted it first. You got it. Got Go it. for it. Go for it. Yeah. So Emery Hunt, it's funny. Emery Hunt is a, a, a football game planning analyst. And he's somebody who actually earlier on in my career, before I got into content creation and I was doing play-by-play -play broadcasting, I actually called some games with him. He is super, 
super knowledgeable and a great football follow if you really want to understand the game, which I know we both we both try our best to. But uh, he tweeted out earlier today, again, for those that are listening on the podcast on the back end, we're taping this on the 19th, the Thursday after wild card weekend. And uh, Emery tweeted, let me just get this out here before folks start wrongly discussing the Ravens search for a new offensive coordinator. Lamar Jackson ran a pro style offense in college at Louisville under Bobby Petrino and, and Lamar, of course, quote tweeted that with a thank you kind of telling you all you need to know. Lamar's been very selective with what he's done, as we've discussed at length in recent days on social media with some of his involvement here and, and, and some of his interactions. And clearly he's sending a message out there right now. Yeah. And this has been I remember we got asked a couple of weeks ago about um Somebody had asked, had asked us about have the Ravens really built around Lamar, and and I would I said yeah they definitely think they did it was just in a style that you may not agree with because there's so many Lamar Jackson fans that have followed him from Louisville or from Florida that were not Ravens fans before but you know follow the Ravens because of Lamar and just over and over and over again throughout the years they would say this exact same thing that yeah he's phenomenal in this run first based offense because he's Lamar Jackson, but that doesn't mean he can't be in a, you know, quote unquote pro style offense because that is what he ran at, in Louisville. And that is how um, he got his Heisman trophy. And so for, for Lamar, you know, he's saying thank you. Cause he wants to get that out there also that he's, he's capable of it. And he had been asked before at podium, he said, you know, you know, I run this offense cause that's what we run. So I'll run what we do. Uh, but this just happens to be the offense that we do, you know? So um, that will be the interesting thing that as John Harbaugh and company put out, as he said, a very wide net. He says this is going to be one of the most sought after positions in the world. And he's right. Yeah. I mean, all 10 of them, um, all 10 of them will be very sought after positions. I mean, it's an NFL offensive coordinator position. I mean, this is like, you know, every football coach's dream short of being a head coach. And um, and so it will be heavily sought after. If Lamar is still here, I bet there's a ton of guys that would want to get their hands on this offense with Lamar Jackson, the offensive line that we have, the tight end group that we have, the running back group that we have, and then hopefully <laughs> a much improved wide receiver room. But yeah, that should definitely be said that, that this this new coordinator doesn't need to be another Greg Roman. And John Harbaugh said this today. He hopes to carry over some of Greg Roman's run schemes. Hello, yes, bring that to me. This guy who's setting NFL records in the run game. Uh, obviously with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had a bit to do with that. Um, yeah. but, but, but there are so many people that would be able to, to add on to that and have a legitimate passing game it's a legitimate threat for opposing defenses. And I'm so excited to see the candidates that come through Baltimore. Boy, to be a fly on the wall in those conversations or in the future come March or maybe even February conversations and negotiations surrounding free agency should be, would be super fascinating because they have a quarterback whose future is uncertain right? And free agent wide receivers, at least the big names that are going to be out there, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, of course, comes to mind with everything that's going on in Arizona. 
you wonder like these guys want long-term stability. They want to know who they're going to be a pass catcher for and offensive coordinators. I would think want some security as well when it comes to who's going to be, you know, their quarterback, the most important pivotal piece and probably all of professional sports when it comes to the singular position that his QB. So my gosh, you know, I think with with that in mind, we should probably dive into every aspect of this press conference because it was fascinating on a number of levels. And we'll begin with GM Eric DaCosta's opening statement. I think it was a, you know, certainly a disappointing ending to a season, a long season with a lot of different challenges. Um, but we're also excited by, I think, the potential of the offseason, everything that goes along with that. Uh, the draft, free agency, it's my favorite time of year. Um, we're excited to start up negotiations again with Lamar Jackson. We're excited to attack this roster um, to make it the very best it can be in the hopes that you know, we'll be a championship team at some point. And I want to thank John and the coaches and the players for all the work they did this offseason. We overcame a lot of different adversities along the way. Very proud of the team. It wasn't the ending that we wanted, but as John alluded to, I think we're on the right path. Sarah, he made sure right off the jump there before even any question was submitted to the presser, right? Hey, we, we are excited to kind of dive back into negotiations with Lamar Jackson. And that was one of many, many times that number eight was mentioned throughout this presser. He talked to Lamar Jackson today. So it's, it's interesting to me because, I mean, there must have been at least a dozen, if not more, maybe 20 times where they talked about their optimism that they're going to sign Lamar Jackson. And that was the very first. And to me, that's significant in that he talked to Lamar today. You know, and he did say, he's like, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. And he said to Lamar today, he said, I know it's been weighing on both of us. It's been yeah. weighing on both of us because, you know, Lamar's that, that negotiator. He's his own agent. And then, you know, he says, but when it's done, we're both going to feel like a million bucks, you know? And so, and then there, I don't know, I don't know what clips you have. So let me know if I'm about to say something that you already have on a clip, but, but um, uh, now I just lost what I was going to say, but. Well, I'll keep cycling through it. Yeah. I can keep cycling yeah. through it. Cause I got a bunch here. We, you know, we got a lot to discuss when it comes to, you know, basically every question related to Lamar just about, and including a contract update. Well, it certainly takes two to tango, but uh, I think Lamar and I have a great relationship. I think we communicate uh, quite often. Uh, we spent some time together today, as a matter of fact. Uh, we've spoken throughout the season multiple times. And, you know, these negotiations, Jameson, they all happen differently. You know, um, Ronnie Stanley's contract took about a year and a half. Uh, Mark Andrews' contract took probably three or four days. You know, we did Roquan's contract over the span of six days, over the course of one month, basically, is what we did. So they happen in different ways. Um, I wouldn't characterize the percentages of getting any deal done or how long it's going to take, except to say that we'll communicate effectively, we'll be as fair as we can be, and we'll try to hammer out a deal, and hopefully we can get to that point. Or four days for Mark Andrews. They knew, who, they knew what they needed in him, right? <laughs> They knew, and Mark seemed to be, you know, on the same page. Same with Roquan. I mean, it was really six days, but because Roquan represented himself, they couldn't do six back-to-back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back -to -back days. 
So it was like on his days off, but in total, it only took six days. But then Ronnie Stanley, a year and a half. I mean, they're they're all different. They're all very, very unique and different. And uh, that comment right there was probably his least confident remark on whether or not Lamar would get done because he was, you know, he showed much more confidence. I mean, at one point, somebody asked uh, John Harbaugh, they were like, you know, you've said you wanted Lamar to be your quarterback for years to come. You still feel that way. And he's like, 100%. No, 200%. And then he says, in talking with Lamar, you know, I believe he wants to, to be here. And he goes, you know, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. So that's the type of language they have to do for sure. Um, but like I said, again, knowing that they just had conversations with Lamar today, whereas like if you contrast that with Ben Powers, for example, obviously not as high profile or anything like that. But when Eric DaCosta was asked about Ben Powers, he tried to keep it, you know, pretty cool and was like, you know, we wouldn't shut a, a you know, a door on him. But he basically was like, we're not getting him back. No. You know, yeah. like he was like, he's going to have a lot of suitors in free agency. And we know that they have other depth at the guard position. Um, and, and I'm sure they'd love to keep him. But it was basically like, it was basically like relenting that Ben Powers wasn't going to be back. And yeah. so, you know, they didn't do that with Lamar. They are 100% in on Lamar. They want, they want, they want him back. And it's good that, that that's their, that they have so much optis, optimism on a day that they, they talk to him. Let's all do ourselves a favor from this point forward and just be mindful, be most mindful of the organization's actions, not their words, you know, right. like that's going to allow us all to keep our sanity throughout this process, which there's been a lot of mixed messaging. There's been a lot of noise, but there's been some smoke screens in some cases. We all know that it's been weeks, if not months at this point. But I think that would knowing that and taking everything you heard today with a grain of salt, but keeping it in the back of mind, I think is going to be crucial. Now, you mentioned, you know, the question that 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 Harbs was asked and, and answered about whether or not Lamar is still their quarterback. Here's what he had to say. 100%, you know, 200%. There's no question about it. Uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson is our quarterback. I mean, he's been our quarterback. Everything we've done in terms of building our offense and building our team, uh, how we think in terms of people and put people around him is based on this incredible young man and his talent, his ability, and his competitiveness, you know. He, he and I were talking today, too. And, and one of the things about Lamar that, to me, stands out, he's an incredible competitor. I mean, Lamar Jackson, all he wants to do is win at everything he does, you know. Yeah, he's got a lot of talent. He's a very bright guy. He's got a big heart, but he's just a massive competitor. And that's the kind of guys we want to build this team around, guys that love football and guys that love to compete. So uh, that hasn't changed. It'll never change. We, you know, we, we, I've, I've loved Lamar. Eric loves Lamar. And uh, it's not going to change in the future. So, you know, I don't know anything about the details of the whole thing, but I know one thing. I'm like all the fans out there and everybody else. You know, I'll have my fingers crossed and my toes crossed, and I'll be saying prayers. And I'm, I have every faith that it's going to get done. And and uh, and we've got the best people in the world doing it. I mean, Eric DaCosta is nobody better. And, and and Eric wants him here. I want him here. Steve wants him here. And Lamar wants to be here. So uh, it's going to work out. That last quote right there is what you hit on and tweeted about. He wants him here. Eric wants him here. 
Steve wants him here. You talk about surefire confidence that this is going to get done. Again, let's watch their actions versus their words and how they handle press conferences. But that was hard to deny. Yeah, there were two takeaways I had from that particular clip. Number one, it reminded me why I was so glad that they did a joint press conference this year. I can't recall them ever doing a, a coach end of season end of season press conference with the GM. And I just feel like it was way better because he said in there, he's like, I'm like the fans because he doesn't do any of the negotiating. Could you imagine being the head coach and you have one of the talents of the entire NFL, this generational talent, and you don't have control of whether or not he returns. Like he has no control over that. So for him to have had to go back, go up to that press conference without Eric DaCosta by his side, when Eric DaCosta the, is the one negotiating this with Lamar, like it just wouldn't have been as of um, fulfilling press conference because that's the type of comments we would have kept getting from John. Like, I hope we do. I hope we do. But, but there's, you know, it's, yeah. I, I just trust that Eric's going to get it done, you know? So that's number one. I'm glad they did it together. And the second thing he said in there that I think is super important is, I mean, he's right. Again, you may not like the way they've done it, but everything the Ravens have done is they've built their offense with Lamar Jackson in mind. And now, obviously, there's much disagreement about that, which is the tweet we just showed that Lamar can run this pro-style offense, which is why I think it's a great thing. John Arba said he spoke to Lamar today. Was it today? Yeah, I think it was today about him being involved in the process. So if, if of finding the new coordinator. So if you're going to continue to build completely around Lamar, which is what John Harbaugh clearly wants to do, that's what they've done, you've got to have him and his voice in this offensive coordinator process, and they're going to do that. And so he's like, I've already talked to him, and he's going to continue. I'm going to keep him abreast, and he's going to continue to give his input. And so let's build around him. But if this is the way Lamar wants to build, where he has a more legit passing game – I'm all, all for that because you cannot win in the playoffs being a one-dimensional team. And they've been one-dimensional every time they've hit the playoffs. 100%. 100%. Quick little pause here to let you know that we have over 800 people here currently watching this live. So thanks so much for the support. Again, we are going to get to a Q&A section of today's live stream. And because this is a pretty popular stream and a competitive one when it comes to submitting questions. We are going to be prioritizing the ones that come in via the YouTube super chat feature donation. So if you want to throw us a few bucks, you want to get your question displayed up on the screen, just make sure that you submit it through the vault, um, the, the vault rather than, than my channel so that Sarah and I can both see that <laughs> on the back end. But, uh, Let's continue. And before we get to the offensive coordinator search discussion, I just wanted to wrap up the whole contract situation with Eric DaCosta's answer, which essentially echoed John Harbaugh's surefire confidence. I really do believe that's that's kind of the way to put it. It was surefire. Here's EDC. You know, respect, um, you know, our feelings about him, that we know him, we know the person, um, our confidence level that he's the right type of guy to lead the team, um, and just optimism. You know, I, I think that I try to be positive. I mean, most if, if you go into a negotiation with a negative feeling, then your chances of getting that done probably aren't going to happen. So, you know, we've done a lot of a lot of contracts. I think in the league, we've second most extensions in the league over the last four years. So we know it can happen. 
we, I think we, 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 we try to be creative and strategic. And uh, I truly believe Lamar wants to finish his career in Baltimore. I, I just believe that in my conversations with him and just watching him and talking with him and communicating. I think John feels that way too. So all of those things kind of work together for me that tell me that we still have a chance and you know, that I should be as optimistic as possible. So there was one piece that I didn't include in that clip, Sarah, and I thought it was super fascinating when Eric kind of broke down the difference between his relationship with Lamar, the player and the friend in a sense, and the agent, because Lamar represents himself, as we know, with his camp, his mother. And I just thought that Eric did a really good job of explaining that and explaining how he goes about navigating the difference between the two. And specifically, I kind of go back to what we heard from Roquan recently after his you know, record setting extension that, that he negotiated himself with Eric. And he, what did he call him? He called him fair. He said he's pleased to be rocking with his GM. Yeah. And now, again, you want to take those words with a grain of salt. The guy just got all kinds of, you know, millions and millions million, of dollars. 100 million yeah. contract, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so let's let's keep that in mind. I don't want to be sipping the Kool-Aid too much. But I do, I do believe that there's a similar relationship between Lamar and Eric. And I think that really goes back to the general manager, his tactics, his composure, his professionalism. And I don't think that that, that can be, you know, understated or, or overstated. Bobby, I have a feeling that we're going to be using uh, the clip that you referred to uh, where he said there's Lamar, the player, and then there's Lamar, the business side. And he yeah. said, like, we don't, we try to keep the two separate because we realize this is a business transaction. He says, you know, Lamar, the player is everything. Like he's phenomenal. We want him here. And the Lamar, the, the negotiator, that's more difficult. And, yeah. and this is what we've been trying to drive home every time. And this is the, it's just the antithesis of what ESPN is these days or all sports, sports show, you know, um, debate shows They're, they want to bring drama, right? That's what they want to do. So they constantly, and this is it. And I need to like, not get so upset by it and not be so frustrated. Cause I gotta just obviously accept it for what it is and that they're trying to, you know, entertain. That's at, at the end of the day, that's what they're doing is they're trying to entertain with crazy debates, with crazy hypotheticals. And what they end up doing is they pit Lamar and the Ravens against each other as if it's good or evil. And by the way, good or evil depends on who your opinion is. Maybe it maybe in your mind, the Ravens are the evil ones because they're not doing the guaranteed contract. Or maybe in your mind, Lamar's the evil one because he should be a team player and and he's been injured, you know, two years in a row and yada, yada, yada. And then you try to like demonize these guys. And, and that's what he said. He's like, we don't, and I really believe, I know Eric can, can separate it. And I do believe Lamar separates it because Lamar is such a laid back, cool guy. I mean, if you cross him, you don't want to cross him, but he, he's so forgiving and, and, and is like, you know, he's just, I just think of all the times, the time he hit like a the photographer and he's right there and he picks the photographer up, you know, on accident when he got yeah. hit out of bounds and all that kind of stuff. Like he isn't like this angry, you know, upset dude. Like he just, he's like, Oh, it's not that serious. It's not that serious, but he's a hard worker. So don't get the two confused. Right. He's a very hard worker and he's, and he's so fired up to win. Like that's all he cares about. And so it's these shows that constantly dramatize it. We'll listen to a press conference like this and Ravens fans will start feeling better. 
and maybe a little too much because they're being optimistic and whatever, but then you won't hear from them for a while. And all you're yeah. doing is watching these shows and watching these shows and be like, well, if you don't, if you don't give Lamar this, then Lamar should go to Cabo. He should blow the whole thing up. Da, 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 da. And it's like, that's not how these two talk to each other. And so for him to say that they can separate it, you know, I think is wonderful. Now, as for the clip that you did, did play, um, that was the one they asked him. The question preceding that was, it's been more than a year and you haven't gotten a deal done. And you've said several times during this press conference that you're optimistic. What gives you so much optimism, you know? And that was his answer. And he says, because I truly believe Lamar wants to be here his whole career based off of what he's told me. Yeah. I don't think he's making that up, right? No. I I believe that, you know, he has told EDC that he'd like to end his career here. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to come in for a discount. That doesn't mean he's going to, like, give up his position in the negotiating room. Not that. But I believe there's good faith on both sides trying to get a deal done. I don't know that it will, but I think it's a good faith effort on both sides. It's a great point. I'll go back to one of your initial points about the whole – EDC saying, I don't really hear any of that noise, partly because he doesn't live on social media. He did say he has an Instagram page, which is private, that he navigates and watches everything that uh, that his daughter and two sons yeah. do. Yeah, which is pretty funny because because we know how Lacey has made a splash on social media, specifically tw Twitter in the last couple of years or so. So it's just funny. I'm sure he's aware of everything going on, or maybe she filters what she tells him and what, what she doesn't tell him. But uh, I just thought it was really telling when when he said look you know we're a team you know we're an organization and you having been in that building for gosh 13 years you understand that in a lot of ways it's a fortress and you can't infiltrate the fortress yeah. uh, you know and it's it's it really is and then you think the organization and the ravens under armor performance center is a fortress then what's lamar steel armor because yeah. you can't figure <laughs> out what he's doing either so it, it's really fascinating i think it speaks to the same page that they are well okay they're not on the same page when it comes to guaranteed money we believe or the contract as a whole it would have been done by now but clearly there's mutual respect and so when you and i it's easy for us, I think, to get wrapped up in the content world because this is part of what we do. Yeah. We, we react to what we see because the bottom line is there's 870 people live tuning in right now. And the majority of them get their news either from us, national pundits, whatever, sports media at large. And so we get a lot of questions. We get a lot of, um, you know, uh, interest and and everybody's wondering oh did does marcus spears really mean that is like is that a legit piece of advice that that lamar should go to cabo if they're not going to get a deal done there and basically just forfeit the exclusive franchise tag which is life-changing money and over 20 or 15 million more than he's made in his entire career to 40 date percent like, more yeah so yeah. so it's just I just, I appreciated that. And I think we can all take something from that and remember that as we we're always going to consume this, we're always going to consume, get up and first take and, you know, and, and Stephen a and, and skip and Shannon and all that stuff, because, Hey, these guys are talented at what they, you know, that they're good at what they do. They have big voices, big audiences, but we don't always have to live and die by it. And I think that's what you maybe can take from the way that Eric handled, um, you know, kind of revealing what it's like on a day-to-day -day business like for him. Right. And, and Bobby, another thing to keep in mind on, on this, on this topic of you saying to keep in mind um, when you're listening to such divisive 
um, commentary from the national media is, is two things. Eric DaCosta said at one point that he was proud of how little information has gotten out about their negotiations. And he goes, there was the one, and then he named it. He said that was the NFLPA. The NFLPA gave Chris Mortensen the, the details of the contract offer, which, by the way, if you were ever wondering if that report was legit, well, Eric DaCosta just confirmed that it was, <laughs> right? The real. report that said that he was offered 200. He didn't mean to, but the report that came out before the season that he was offered overall $250 million and that it was $133 million, and I had a tweet about this today, in fully guaranteed money. That report did not say how much was total guaranteed. Those are two very different numbers. And the total guarantees only trigger if you are still on the roster at certain points in that. In that. So people have been comparing the fully guaranteed of Lamar to the total guarantees of the Russell Wilsons of the world and the, and the Kyler Murleys of the world. And it's a completely apples to orange comparison. So Marcus Spears followed up with Chris Mortensen. And just yesterday, he revealed that it was a $200 million in total guarantees, which is higher than everybody except for Deshaun Watson. So I just want to make sure that's clear. But anyway, back to the point. So he says, I'm happy that stuff hasn't gotten out. So when you're listening to these ESPN, or I don't mean to just, you know, pick on them. There's all, there's Fox, there's all sorts of people. They don't know diddly squat. Nobody does except for Lamar and, and maybe his inner circle and Eric DaCosta and his inner circle. So when you hear them talk, they're basing it off of what agents would tell their clients to do. But Lamar doesn't listen to an agent. And this, and this is another point on this topic is somebody asked John Harbaugh, what if you tag him, you don't get a deal done, you tag him and he doesn't show up till week one. And, and um, Harbaugh's like, yeah, that's been uh, uh, in, the, in the history of the tag that's happened a lot with players. And he said, I would have to deal with that when that, when I, I'll have to cross that bridge when it comes. Like I can't do anything about that right now other than hope that Eric DaCosta and Lamar can, can strike out a deal, but he has no control over that, right? Then he reminds us, he goes, but at the same time, Lamar doesn't, you know, be, what's, what's the phrase? He doesn't, um, you know, walk to everybody else's beat of their drums, right? He doesn't, he doesn't do that. Lamar does things his own way. Lamar yeah. does things. And so, and so again, you have to keep that in mind when people are talking, it's like, Lamar should do this. Lamar should do that. And da, 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 da. And it's like, but you don't know him and you, and you don't know this front office. Like you don't know him. And that is so glaringly obvious that that's why you want him to have an agent because an agent would, would feed you all this information. And that's another reason why Bobby, we got after Steve young and, and uh, Adam Schefter for their um, uh, interaction with RG three. And I was like, why are they acting this way? Like, like Adam Schefter is usually the reporter. And then it dawned on me, they're holding on to every single little post and reading it through whatever lens they're they're thinking because they are in the dark. And though that's the reaction of people that are completely in the dark. Now, I'm not saying that you and I have insider knowledge, but we've covered Lamar and this team more closely than national media. So we don't freak out over every single 
every single tweet because we know who Lamar is. At least we have a better idea than the national media. And we have a yeah. better idea of who Eric DaCosta is. And we're like, no, nah, you guys have got this wrong. You don't understand these guys. Because not only do you not know the details like you usually do via an agent, but you also just don't get Lamar Jackson. Which is why we've also recognized that he enjoys trolling a little bit too <laughs> on, on social media, you know, whether it's cryptic posts or kind of going after Bernard Pollard over the summer, right? He's, he's stepped out a little bit. He's put himself out there a little bit over the last six months to a year or so through the social media lens. But, but yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, like we, we respect the national media for what they do but we also recognize that they have 31 other teams mm -hmm. to cover. And so while they have, you know, more inside sources, so to speak, than we do, it's, it's just important to realize that they don't have a great pulse or understanding. Uh, maybe depth is the right word on all 32 teams because they don't cover them on a daily basis. So I know you and I have been have been pretty true to, to ourselves throughout this process in terms of wanting to take Lamar by his word at his word. And it's worked out OK so far. But we also aren't going to be naive to sit here and think that today's press conference, um, you, you know, was all sunshine and rainbows because, yeah, it was. But there is still a chance that you know, because of what Lamar could be worth in the market and because of the conversations that he could be having privately uh, for, for what he wants long-term in Baltimore, there could come to, a, they, you know, it could be halted and they could end up tagging and trading. So we just want to keep all that in mind. We're not sitting here guaranteeing after today's press conference, which would be completely naive of us to do, that there's going to be a long-term marriage. We hope that there is. Clearly, they hope so as well. Whether that's a smokescreen or not, we'll find out in the coming months. All right, on to the offensive coordinator section of things because as we talked about right off the top of this live stream, by the way, we're coming up on a, a thousand people here, which will set a new record for us uh, that are tuning in live concurrently, which is pretty cool. And uh, we just wanted to let you guys know how grateful we are for, for each and every one of you. We are going to get to our Q&A section of, of today's stream. And again, we're, we're prioritizing them. It has to be through the YouTube Super Chat feature. So, so throw us a few bucks if you can, uh, as little as, as a buck or two, and we'll get to as many as we possibly can and just do it through the vault versus my personal channel. Okay, as we discussed though, Greg Roman's time in Baltimore has come to an end. They've parted ways. He's been with the organization since 2017. And now a search for the next OC begins immediately. And everybody wanted to know, and they asked Harbs, is number eight going to be involved in this search? I, yeah, I did. I did already. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for pointing that out, you know. Who else? Who else but Vidi, you know? Um, of course. I mean, you know, Greg and I spent hours you know, talking about this, you know, in the last couple of days, let alone, you know, every day when you're together for four years, you know, the, the challenges that Eric's talking about, uh, you, you, you become really close, you know, as coaches and scouts. And uh, this is something that, uh, you know, is something I think is, is good. You know, it's an opportunity for him uh, to, to move in some directions. The things he accomplished here were, were kind of, were, were pretty historical. You know, there, there are records set here, you know, in the National Football League that are going to stand for a long, long time. So, uh, you know, we're all really proud of those things. And, and Greg's a great coach, and he did the best he could every single week, every single day. Great family, uh, uh, you know, another great competitor. So, you know, I, I, you know I leave, I leave, we leave that era kind of, you know, we move into the next era now in terms of our offense. And, uh, 
And I did, I did ask Lamar about it, you know, and, and he will be involved in it. You know, I'll keep him abreast of what's going on, and I'm sure he'll have some input along the way. Uh, but I know his focus, like he told me, is going to be on getting himself ready and getting his guys ready, you know, for next season. And hopefully the front office's focus is getting him some targets. We'll get to that in just a bit. But, you know, Sarah, I think this is an interesting conversation because we've seen it over the years, especially with some of the more bigger names, you know, maybe some of the more legendary figures at the quarterback position, Tom Brady and uh, and Aaron Rodgers come to mind in this regard, since they've had many offensive coordinators over their careers. And uh, Aaron specifically has made it very clear that he wants to be involved in pretty much every single team <laughs> building aspect of the organization. He's a little bit controlling to me, but okay, keep going. <laughs> he, he's a little bit controlling. He likes to hold the team and franchise hostage sometimes in the off season. That is a conversation for another time he's one of the all-time greats yes with this I, I think I like the way that John handled this he acknowledged that he's going to include Lamar that's different than saying that Lamar is going to be a decision maker or have a huge role in this process because let's be honest he's not qualified to hire an offensive coordinator he's qualified to put his input in there's such a difference between like that what do you mean? He's you know what I mean? Like he could, like if if they gave him the job, not that, but he's got he's got to focus on, you know, playing. But could he pick an offensive coordinator? Yeah, I guess I don't know. What you mean? I, I don't know that. if I like that. I don't know if I like the thought. This notion that like you're an NFL quarterback and you know what the market looks like out there. You 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 have an understanding yeah. of what the market is. That's what I mean. Like not qualified to. Yes, he can assess offensive coordinators and say, "Oh yeah, that he'd be a great fit for me." Oh oh yeah, I I ran that pro style offense with Petrino. Okay, Bobby, I know he just got hired by A and M, but he'd be great for me in the NFL level. My former head coach. You know what I mean? Like he could do that. But in terms of you know analyzing and identifying the market and understanding who might fit well top down within the organization, I don't know if he's qualified to do that. You know, so. I just like the fact that that John made it made it known that yeah he is having conversations with him. Yeah, and he should be. I mean, listen, if if this is going to be you know whatever, a 250 million dollar quarterback and you're building your team around him, you're building the offense around him, which is what John Harbaugh said. He said they're building the offense around him then 1,000% he should have input. Now, does he does he get the ultimate say? Obviously, that's John Harbaugh's decision, and John Harbaugh wants to integrate it with a million other things. Um, quarterback's number one, but he's got a lot of other considerations, I'm sure. But absolutely, I, I, would, I would like to think that John Harbaugh has talked with Lamar about the style of offense he would like, you know, keep, keep, we keep going back to that tweet of the, of the Bobby Petrino offense. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems to me over the years, he's never, Lamar has never complained. Um, Cause that's not who he is. And he doesn't throw people under the bus. Um, but it seems to me that over the years he has expressed that he would like to throw more. And again, with this tweet, he has expressed that he can run a different style offense where he doesn't have to be a record-holding rushing quarterback, you know? And so I would like to think John Harbaugh has asked, what are you generally, what are you generally thinking is the next iteration of this offense? And hopefully Lamar has given that answer. And, and if it is, you know, that he wants different passing schemes or he needs more receivers 
or the type of receiver he needs, if he needs another Hollywood, if he wants, you know, a big guy that can go up and do 50-50 balls. I mean, from a very high-level, um, you know, perspective, I hope that's the questions and the, and the conversation that they had. And I can't imagine it would be anything different. Like, if you're going to ask him about an offensive coordinator, you'd think that you would talk about the style and what they're kind of going for in the yeah. next iteration. John Harbaugh did say, by the way, do you have this quote where he was talking about the identity not changing, but the methodology changing? Mm, not sure if I have that one, but right. if you could summarize it, I'll know right away. Yeah, yeah. So basically, this was a Jeff Zrebic question, which I thought was fantastic because that was my my question. As always from Jeff, as always. Yeah, um, that was my question because, okay, so now you have let go of Greg Roman. What everybody's fear has been, and I think it's been legitimate, is are you just going to replace Greg Roman with another, uh, just another version of Greg Roman, right? Because people do want to open up the passing game. And so that's the question. If you're getting rid of this offensive coordinator, was it just because he didn't have a feel for situational play calling? Or do you feel like you need to bring in another mind that can help take the offense to another level? And so that's what Jeff was asking. Like, are you changing the offensive philosophy? And so this is the way John answered it. He said, well, we're not changing the offensive identity. Yes. And then he said, I think you know what that means. And I wasn't quite sure. I definitely know that it means that you're going to be physical. You're going to want to beat people up and you're going to want to be a bully. That's the identity of the Ravens overall. That's on defense and offense. So that, that stays, right? But what I didn't quite understand is if it meant that they were still going to be run first, which, you know, I'm, I would still be fine with if it was. So then he says, but he goes, the methodology will, sh- methodology will change. And so he said that includes schemes. That includes personnel, because if you're going to change the schemes and, and the way you're implementing the offense, you're going to probably need some different, you know, uh, players that fit that. And uh, then he named a couple of other things. So then he said, you know, nothing stays the same. You always have to keep moving. So change is ahead. So that's something else that I want to see what that looks like. What exactly does that look like? And I think we'll get an idea of that, obviously, A, with the offensive coordinator that bring in, and then B, what they do at wide receiver, which that was a major takeaway for me, what they, what they talked about there. All right. Perfect segue. As, as we know, we spent a lot of time together virtually and we are on the same page for where we're headed next. Uh, we, I was exactly going to go there next because uh, I'm with you. Uh, there was one answer where, and you've kind of already hit on it. I think it was Harbs where he basically named every single level of the offense that they're in good shape yeah. with assuming, assuming that Lamar is back next fall, which he's and thinking he made that it very way clearly in the way he was talking the way he yes. talks about the offensive room, he's planning on Lamar being there. So anyway, go ahead. You you would think. And so yeah. he goes on to label and, and uh, you know, basically discuss every single aspect, every single room up and down his offense. But then he made it very clear, like they have to rebuild the wide receiver room. And I think that's where we're going to go next. So. Let's dive in first to Eric DaCosta on the wide receiver room, and then we'll hear from Harbs after that. Well, it's certainly something we're going to look at. You know, obviously, uh, this season didn't end up the way we wanted it to. We had some injuries, obviously, with, with Bate and with Devin. Um, you know, uh, we traded Hollywood last year, so we definitely took on some 
water this year at that position. We'll continue to look at that, you know, via free agency and the draft. And our role is really to just to find the best guys that fit our situation. And, um, you know, we hear the fans. We hear you guys with the questions. Um, certainly, our goal is to build the very best team we can build. And, you know, last year, one of our key, I think, missions was to build the offensive linebacker. And we feel excited about that and the way that we were able to do that in different ways. We think we're very, very close to building a championship team and everything that goes with that. And so we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that this offseason. Um, you know, and that'll be through the draft, through free agency, potential trades and things like that. But we will build the best team we can to compete every single week. A little teaser there, if you will, from EDC. We'll do that. We'll do that this offseason. And he goes on to say through the draft, free agency, trades, you name it. Anything's on the table. You better believe you know where I'm going on the vault this week. Like I said, at 22, I know there's going to be some good corners there that are going to, you know, maybe we're going to be foaming <laughs> at the mouth that are available come April. But keep swinging for the fences, baby. We need some pass catchers in Baltimore. And you keep swinging until you can't miss. I don't know when that's going to be in Baltimore. We're going to have to maybe wait another 27 years. But Heck with it. Keep going in the draft. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'll come at you, Steph Harbs. I don't want to, you know, yeah. re-say re what he says. Yeah. Yeah. Here's Harbs on the on the current situation in wide receiver room as well. Question. I mean, that, you're right about that, and that's a challenge. And I think, I think those challenges came up, you know, during the course of the season. And if you if you look at the tape or you look at the uh, the, the plays themselves and some of the things that uh, we had a lot of great plays, but we also had some we had mistakes. You know, we had things that weren't executed the way they were drawn up in practice, and that has to do with just what you're talking about there. So that's real. Continuity does matter. You know, you, you're able to work together on things. So the offensive line, is, as Eric mentioned, is together. That offensive line is going to be wholly intact or almost wholly intact next year coming back. That's big. Uh, the tight end room uh, is, is together. That, that tight end room should be wholly intact, completely intact, uh, back again. The running back room, intact. You know, we, now we can add a player to any of those spots, of course. The one area that needs to be, you know, built is the is the wide receiver room, so that'll be a new room. Basically, there'll be pieces of it still there. You know, you know the guys, and then we'll be adding a lot of pieces to that room, and there'll be competition too. So, that'll be the room that'll start together in this new offense, and we'll build with those guys. So, I think you know you're talking about 75% of the offense is intact, and 25%, and it's all in the same room, will be new, and that's probably pretty normal. But that's uh, that makes me happy because. I feel like we got a lot of guys that know ball and have had a lot of experience here. And, the, and that room that you're talking about, the wide receiver room, room can be built up. And, you know, that's, those are pieces we can give Lamar and give him a chance to really, you know, thrive. It can be built up and it has to be built up this offseason. No, no, no longer. I mean, it has, it has to change this offseason. And it sure looks like, like we talked about a minute ago, that uh, they understand that. And hopefully they do something about it in the course of the next couple months. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It 1,000%, I feel like we've been harping on this a lot um, over the vault this season, that it just is like, you can't, you know, not that they've ignored it because they put a lot of drafts, you know, assets into it, but you just can't keep doing this year in and year out where I I went back and looked and I think that they were only, um, they were nine out of 10 years, they were in the bottom 26 of spending at wide receiver. (laughs) Like... Like you just, you just can't do that, you know, year in, year out. So one thing, so you and I said this just a couple of days ago, what John Harbaugh basically said, the Ravens have a good foundation, which is why we were debating if the first round pick would be best used at wide receiver or at cornerback now. I mean, who knows who they're going to sign between now and then if, if holy moly, our wildest dreams came true and they got DeAndre Hopkins, you know, then it's like, okay, then, you know, maybe they are pretty good there or whatever. So, but as of right now, it's like those two are the most obvious positions. And, and what made me, I'll I'll give you this, what made me optimistic that they're really going to attack the wide receiver room. And then one thing that like made me temper my expectations. So it was when that first clip that you played by Eric DaCosta, where he brought up that he goes, he's talking about rebuilding the wide receiver room. And he goes, you know, we felt like we needed to really rebuild the offensive line last year. And boy, did he ever. Like, he did a great job. It, it obviously yeah. helped that, that that Stanley was back, but he was ready with depth. He got McCarry. He got Morgan Moses. He had, who ended up on, on IR, uh, Juwan James. And then he drafted Daniel Falele, who hopefully he continues to develop. And then he went out, and then, granted, he did it. He got Lander Bomb by trading away <laughs> – Hollywood Brown at the very position we're talking about rebuilding, but he got Linderbaum and then Zeitler was there. And then Ben Powers emerges like he, that was a good offensive line this year. That was a very good offensive line. How many guys were on PFF for every year or, or or the ESPN blocking win percentages. I mean, Linderbaum was on there all the time. Ronnie Stanley almost never gave up pressures and Morgan Moses was like way better than I certainly anticipated. And so he did. He re- rebuilt that offensive line room. It was his focus. He did it. He delivered, and it and it it it, it performed very well. What made me temper my expectation? You remember this, Bobby? Is they asked him. Somebody asked him. Well, are you going to keep using using draft picks, which is what you're you just suggested, right? <laughs> and he goes, because it's a big difference if you know you you draft somebody like Rashad Bateman or. Or you go out and you actually pay. You pay big money for a wide receiver. And he yeah. took a long time to answer it, but essentially was like, ah, ah, I wouldn't count on it. You know what I mean? At least yeah. that was my yeah. takeaway. Was that your takeaway? 
I, I could not agree more. I think the okay. word is apprehensive. It's apprehensive. Yeah. Like he just, he, he was very careful with the way that he, that he worded that. And it just made me believe that between paying Roquan, having Lamar's franchise tag, potentially being on deck here, uh, you know, and, and everybody else who's on the books, we, we know, like he did mention that they've, they've planned accordingly and that they always seem to be in good standing from a cap standpoint. I think that speaks to, you know, Eric's abilities as a GM and he learned from Ozzy, of course, but we all know that the wide receiver markets through the freaking roof these days. Like it's just insane. It it resets what what feels like on a monthly basis. And so uh, if we're bringing in somebody who's dynamic and somebody who is, you know, at at the top of the market, which we know that, that Deandre is going to command that type of value, that type of money this off season. I just don't know how feasible that is. And, And I'm with you. I think that's what he was alluding to. Yeah. So, so I, I guess I'm willing to like be patient there because he did say, you know, we're going to have to be creative and how we address it. And I'm thinking back to how he did, you know, rebound or rebuild the offensive line. Like Morgan Moses wasn't like the top guy, right? That was a good signing, but it was for, you know, moderate money. It wasn't like this big signing Kevin Zeitler. That was, that was two years ago, but again, and he's a solid offensive lineman, but it wasn't like top guard money. Then Linderbaum was a first round pick and then Ben Powers emerged. And then, you know, they, they, he did get creative with how he brought in Juwan James. Remember he was hurt. So he's like, well, come rehab with us and we'll pay you for when he comes back. Then he got, he got hurt again. And so it's just like, uh, so, so I'm not expecting these huge splashes. So it's like, okay, well, how are you going to get creative? And I think the only way you can really be creative because offensive linemen like to be here. They like to run block. One way that you can become creative is to have, an offensive coordinator that receivers will believe in be like, okay, okay. Now I'll come. Now I'll come more more of those Juju Smith Schuster type deals that weren't like top of the market, but were like more moderate and it, but he didn't want to come here. So can you get those Juju Smith Schusters for moderate deals if they believe in the next offensive coordinator? And that's going to be huge. And like I said earlier on in the stream, kind of before we shift gears here to a couple other topics, Somebody like D D hop who, you know, Hey, is he getting up there in age for life? No, but in the NFL, he, he somewhat is. Yeah. This guy's going to want some stability at the quarterback position. And you better believe that when, when that phone rings, his agent or himself or whoever's picking up that call from Eric, they're going to want to know, you know, they're going to, what is the plan with Lamar? Who's going to be throwing me the football for this five-year deal that I'm about to sign. And so, and who knows if it'll end up being five, but, uh, but, but that's that ready to transition to two more topics before we get to our Q and a partner. Yeah. What are the topics? Let's do it. Okay. So like we said, we have, we have a bunch of Q and a that we're going to get to. We're incentivizing it here, prioritizing the ones that are coming in via the YouTube super chat feature donation, just cause this has been a very popular stream. we got well over 900 folks uh, in here watching this thing concurrently. As always, if you haven't already done so, please like the video. If you're watching on YouTube, consider subscribing to both channels and hitting that notification bell so you get notified immediately when we create our daily content that we do. Patrick Queen and David Ajabo, those are the two topics that I have mm-hmm. before we get to the uh, Q&A portion of today's stream. And we'll begin with Eric DaCosta on Patrick Queen's future, because as we know, the fifth year option decision has to come down at some point in the near future. And that will obviously d- help decide PQ's future in Baltimore. Yeah, we were really excited by the way Patrick played this year. Um, 
we think he made a jump. He showed uh, playmaking ability, uh, leadership. He just he really, really, over the course of the season, became the player that we kind of envisioned him being. Um, specifically speaking to the, the fifth-year option, um, you know, I'm probably not prepared to make that announcement at this point. Um, does it make it difficult uh, to sign him long-term? If he's a great player, we'll find a way to make it work. If he's playing at a high level, we want to keep as many good players as we can. So I would never rule out right now uh, signing a player two years from now, uh, potentially. Um, he's a good player. I think we've got the best two young inside linebackers. The combo, the tandem, it's exciting in football. And uh, they make our defense a problem for other teams and something that is going to cause a lot of teams problems you know, moving forward. So. You know, I think we're in a great position there. I think our defense is, is exciting, and uh, we can't wait to see him next year. So, again, PQ, they have a decision to make on him, Sarah, and, and he obviously stopped short of committing to the fifth-year option, but uh, we both believe that PQ's played well enough, even pre-Roquan, right, to, to earn that kind of conversation. And um, I think Eric's right. They have two of the most dynamic uh, who really play well off of one another inside linebackers in the entire league, and we know how important that position is in Baltimore. Well, we know, okay, so 2023 is his fourth year. So we know he's for sure going to be teaming up with Roquan Smith again in 2023. Uh, 2024, I mean, listen, you want him to play well, but if he plays super lights out and is the next guy to get like the next big, line, you know, inside linebacker deal, then it's definitely going to be out of the question. Um, but, you know, I would think they would use the first, fifth round, um, you know, option. Fifth year on option. Him. Yeah, yeah. fifth-year option on him. I guess it'll depend. I guess it'll depend on, you know, if Lamar gets gets done, what's the what's the salary cap looking like and all of that. But um, he definitely didn't commit and didn't close the door. But, you know, it didn't make me feel confident that, that PQ is going to be back. But yeah, I mean, the bottom line is we talked about this. I think it was off the air, matter of fact, just a, a couple of weeks ago when the Roquan news, the you know, the big extension came through that – Essentially, when you're a former first round pick that like PQ is, the money that was doled out to Roquan in a, in a sense could have, should have, would have been yours, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one way to look at this um, from the pot that is, you know, the, the defensive cap, you know, the defensive dollars. And so we all know that really until this year and definitely when Roquan came on the scene, uh, P, you know, PQ had been not a middling player, but he had been inconsistent. He had his ups and downs. He uh, had his miscues and, and sometimes was just playing too fast for himself and didn't play with within himself. I felt like, uh, and then obviously this year was a career year kind of year for him. And you even heard EDC say during the presser that this, this is what we had envisioned when we drafted him, you know, that sideline to sideline speed, that vision, that, that explosiveness, that discipline. And we just hadn't seen that enough in, in the, in the couple of years prior. Yeah. And to be honest with you, Bobby, like one thing that sticks out to me, and this is not what they said in this press conference, but what they've said many, many other times about Roquan is that Roquan makes everybody else better around him. And so, again, I mean, the duo has been phenomenal, but it makes me wonder if Roquan's making everybody feel, you know, play better around him, can you get guys that are would be less expensive 
either, you know, on their rookie contract, you know, use a second round or a third round and you put him next to Roquan and then, you know, he's good to go. I mean, how many years in a row do they do with that with Ray Lewis where guys inside linebackers would make a name for themselves playing next to Ray and then they'd go get a big contract elsewhere. You, that's what you hope that you have in Roquan is that you can put in a guy that's not on his second contract because those are the most expensive and just he'll he'll get them going. He'll have them in the right spot and then those guys can just like pin their ears back while Roquan does the thinking for everybody. Invest in draft capital versus, you know, big time second contracts, which exactly. you can't even compare the two in terms of, you know, overall dollars, overall investments. Okay, before we get to our Q&A, one more topic to discuss, and that was uh, David Ajabo, who, of course, his rookie year was cut significantly short because of the recovery that it took to come back from that torn Achilles that he sustained during his March pro day last year uh, as a member, of course, of, of the Michigan Wolverines, still a young player. He's got a lot of upside, a lot of promise. If you ask folks around the Ravens organization, as he flashed in that regular season finale, he, he's got some explosiveness off that edge. And um, that strip sack of Burrow almost gave you that little taste, right, of what could be coming in on the fall of 2023 for the Rook. But here's EDC on David Ajabo. Yeah, I mean, we are extremely excited about Dave. Came off the Achilles, obviously. Uh, he worked very, very hard to come back. Um, you know, probably could have played a little bit earlier, but quite honestly, we stayed very healthy at that position. We loved our depth at the outside linebacker position. Um, we didn't want to rush him in there, and uh, but he's a long, tall guy, explosive, great attitude, um, tremendous, tremendous potential, and we just can't wait to see what he's going to do this year. I mean, I think having a great offseason for him, you know, considering what he went through last year, is really critical. His attitude is awesome. He's got an infectious personality and a lot of ability. You know, Sarah, I, I remember few weeks back, maybe a couple of months back when, you know, David became eligible to return and, and we were kind of wondering, when are we going to see him? We finally got it confirmed. One of the main reasons as to why it wasn't David's abilities. It wasn't his lack of development or anything like that. But EDC said they loved the depth that they had at outside linebacker. And so, you know, between some of those veterans really kind of playing uh, outside and, and above expectations, Justin Houston certainly comes to mind in, in that regard, JPP even as well. Um, that, that was a factor in, in kind of keeping David down to give him some more time. And then he obviously got his chance in the, in the tail end of the season. Yeah, I've said this before. I, I really do believe that when the Ravens were in dire straits very early on, where they were just going basically with Houston and Owe and trying to make it through by you know putting Harrison over there sometimes or you know playing a defensive end out there, that if if Houston hadn't gotten injured and they didn't need to sign JPP, then I think that Owe or excuse me Ojabo would have been on the field more often, more frequently. But they did sign JPP, and he was great. He was great. And it was just like, how do I tell these guys that you're sitting down, you know, when they when they are playing so well? I mean, JPP was playing well. Bowser was playing well. Houston was playing well. And they did go through, like, a sack drought there for a little while. I mean, they, they had a bunch. They'd come in bunches, and there was a drought. And then that last game against Burrow, they were finishing in the playoffs. It's, ugh. I don't even want to talk about that playoff game because it just felt like it was wasted. It was – they were getting after Burrow. Yeah. And so – um, you know, I don't think they're going to be resigning, you know, JPP and Houston, maybe they could resign yeah. one of them. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's all, 
the future is Ojabo and OA and obviously Bowser on his second contract. Yeah, and some of those decisions had to have been with David's future in mind. To your point, JPP and Justin Houston are a part of the long-term plan here. And that's no disrespect to, you know, really two of the game's greats at, at their positions over the last decade or so. And so for both of those guys on, on team-friendly deals to be contributing the way they did and exceeding expectations. Okay, yeah, David, listen, we're going to give you some time this year. But we want to give you all the time you need this offseason to strengthen yourself, to develop yourself, to get the mental part of the game down, to get the training side of the game down and uh, and be ready for a big year, too, because they're going to need that out of him. With that in mind, I think we've reached the Q&A section of today's live stream. We have a bunch of YouTube super chat questions that we're going to address right now. And again, we'll get to as many as we possibly can. As always, uh, attendance has just been phenomenal in, in this live stream. We thank you so much. There's still close to 900 people in here. Uh, if you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to both channels and uh, letting folks know if they don't already uh, what we're doing here on The Vault, on my personal YouTube channel, because we're creating daily content for all things Ravens and we're fully fully committed to doing this thing year round so just because the season's coming down to the wire here it's already over but you know the nfl season and whatnot doesn't mean that we're not going to have continued content being pumped out here so let's get to our donations and it starts with adit thanks for the the super chat question brother appreciate it wants to know if a marquise hollywood brown reunion could be in the cards he did only have beef with Greg. So we think we don't know that to be true, but maybe, maybe. Well, we know he loved the quarterback. So that's good. Uh, Hollywood is still under contract one more year with the Arizona Cardinals through 2023. I know he's coming back from injury. Did he already come back? I didn't follow yeah, the end of their I season. I believe he okay. returned. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, he's got one more year there. And then, I mean, who knows? He'll have a whole year of seeing what this offense will look like under a new offensive coordinator so you know why not he and Lamar would like it I'm sure I'm all set on that one let me just say <laughs> Derek Jones coming in with a $10 donation we appreciate you I think Byron Leftwich would be a great candidate being a quarterback in the league himself plus working with Brady and good receivers and Tampa who are some candidates that you both think would fit well i know that we have discussed this a little bit we'll probably once it starts to heat up a little bit and there and there are some some leaks about some potential names and legitimate candidates especially the ones that are going to be outside of of the ravens walls because we heard from john harbaugh today that, that there will be internal and external um i think you know and i had a conversation with Kadri about this over the weekend too and let's just hypothetically speaking if, if it came down to an internal hire and you had to choose between t martin Keith Williams and uh, James Urban, I think I would probably go with T after listening to what Q had to say. And that was basically just the fact that, hey, he was a quarterback at one point. He's a national championship winning quarterback who has the pedigree, who has the football acumen and uh, and understands what they're trying to do in Baltimore. So I don't have a ton on this, Sarah. I'm not sure how much you've looked around in terms of the external list. And I know we're going to be doing that, like I said, in the coming weeks, but uh, feel free to dive in if you'd like to. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I would add George Godsey to the internal cadence. He's the uh, tight ends coach. But, uh, you know, I hear that from, from Q. I mean, I just never – I would never mistake, like, that a great player can be a great coach, right? There's Like, we, we just don't know. But if, if T. Martin uh, – but I wouldn't rule out T. Martin. 
you know, at all. But I am much more in the camp of what John Harbaugh said today that he was going to spread a wide net. I, I would love to get in new blood. So I, I'm not going to say I have a favorite, but I think some top names, I'll give you some top external names that have kind of been floated around out there. Now, you know, some of these guys may also want a head coaching opportunity. So there's Joe Brady, the Buffalo Bills quarterback coach name coming up. Brian Johnson, which again, I haven't researched a ton, but I kind of like this. He's a Philadelphia Eagles quarterback coach. Obviously has been good with uh, Jalen Hurts. And I mean, the Eagles offense has been, you know, off the charts. Uh, he also, I believe, has, yeah, he helped develop Dak Prescott. And he was also, um, he also helped uh, at the University of, of Florida. Had some some really outstanding years there. Um, Frank Reich uh, is one that people bring up a lot, although he already, I believe, has head coaching interviews. So, um Bobby Slowick, the San Francisco 49ers passing game coordinator. Um, and then the last one kind of thrown out, Matt Weiss, who uh, I remember him when he first started at the Ravens. He was fresh out of college because uh, I remember having – I was meeting with John Harbaugh and Matt Weiss, as his personal assistant, was setting it up. And he's like – he is straight-faced. He is, he is like no-nonsense kind of stoic. Stoic is a word for it. Uh, yeah. And then he just went from being a personal assistant, just kept working his way up. And I was like, how do you get from a personal assistant to now he was the co-offensive coordinator for the, for the uh, Michigan Wolverines. Uh, some weird breaking news on him this weekend that he's, he's yeah. got like a, he's being investigated by school police for a computer access crime, which I believe is hacking. So yeah. anyways, weirdness there, obviously we'll wait to see, what happens there, but that's like a similar story to, to McDonald, right? That he starts very low and just has this bright mind and works his way up. So, so I think those are some of the top candidates that are out there right now, but uh, hopefully if John throws out a wide net, there'll be a lot more names coming in. Yeah. Ken Dorsey and Eric Bieniemy, I expect to get a lot of looks too, from like you said earlier on the 10 vacancies right now across yeah. the league at the offensive coordinator slot. So we'll have more on this in the coming weeks. Admittedly, we both have to kind of entrench ourselves in this, this conversation a little bit more being that the search just began and we didn't even know until today, quite honestly, based on how tight lipped they've been, uh, if, if G row is going to be departing or not. So definitely more to come on that for sure. I just want to say one thing about Leftwich. All I can say is their the their fan base talks about wet Leftwich the way the Ravens fan base talks about Roman. So that's put up my <laughs> antennas a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And I see some some Anthony Lynn buzz in the comments section as well. We know there's a relationship there with Harbaugh, so another name to to honestly, uh, you know, maybe just keep in mind. All right, next donation comes in from. I hope I get this name right, Sarah. I'll, I'll put myself out on the line. Let me stick my neck out here as Modius Thanatos. I hope that's. Sound sounded okay off the tongue, but we'll see. Um, they said you have both become one of my favorite YouTubers. Enjoy a McChicken between the both of you. That we will. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I also I know that you put this up while we were talking, but just thank you to Jennifer. I saw that she was from Utah. My my parents live in Utah. I went to college in Utah. So thank you for the donation. I just wanted to say thank you. And there's another one. I missed the name on it. But you put a donation uh, up to show, and so I missed that name. But thank you. Very cool. Thanks, Jennifer. 
What else do we have going on here? Let's see. Chef Trez checking in. National sports media had a field day on Lamar for six to seven weeks. John and EDC should have addressed the Lamar rumors after the third week. I don't know how it didn't get brought up. Um, I mean, if if you think about we when we've discussed this, we won't go too long on it, but you know, the whole messaging thing and the optimism and the hopefulness from John Harbaugh and that early December press conference after the Denver game, right, was clearly coming from you know, it was, it was regurgitated from his medical staff that 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 told him it was not a, a season ending knee injury for Lamar. And, and unfortunately, Sarah, you know, a, as he learned from the Brashad Perryman situation, which we've referenced in recent weeks from a few years back, sometimes he can shoot himself in the foot. And that's why he's become so incredibly tight lipped and careful with the way that he speaks about injuries. And in this case, Again, I think he was just trying to be open and up front with us, open and up front with the media. And it came back to bite him because of Lamar ended up being, you know, a, a more severe grade two between grade two and grade two between grade two and grade three PCL sprain that ultimately sidelined him from for the rest of the way, including the postseason. We've discussed this. There's really it's a lose lose situation of trying to be up front with expectations, because if you're wrong, it's like you guys are idiots, you know, like how could you put this out there and how could you be wrong when it's just like, it's just not fair because players' bodies aren't machines. Um, but I've been thinking about this and I also was slightly surprised that nobody had a direct question about that. But then again, I was like, if I were in there, and I think this is where like fans don't quite get a reporter's situation where they're in there and they're asking the questions and you have to ask questions that you don't know the answer they're going to give. And so I know that fans dismiss this or some fans do not all fans do. They dismiss the competitive edge of keeping injuries vague. People are like, forget that. That's dumb. Da, 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 da. And it's like, you don't understand like Harbaugh and his coaches are on the other end of it all the time. They don't know who they're, they're game planning against. And I've seen coaches sleep on the couches in their offices for multiple days in a row. I mean, Rex Ryan always did it. And he was there with the beard, you know, coming in and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you can see it in their eyes. They're not sleeping. They're not sleeping at all. And you're not at your tip top. So fans dismiss it, but that is a thing. And so if I was a, a reporter in that room, I'm like, if I ask this, I know what he's going to say. Like, I can't say it. I can't tip off the other team. So you may not think that that's, now, at the same time, though, Bobby, I did think about this. I was like, is there a way that he could have kind of rode the line, towed the line where he could, like, straight up say, look, it's not contract-related. Lamar really is hurt without saying to the, the next opponent, don't prepare for him. You know what I mean? And then again, Har Harbaugh was asked again today, like, if you were still in the playoffs. Would, would Lamar yeah. be ready? He's like, I really do believe he would have been ready. And there's a part of me that thinks that Harbaugh really thought there was a chance every week that he would be back. So anyway, I also at the same time recognize with Chef, like it wasn't great communication. I'm just trying to think of, you know, I, I know what Harbaugh was thinking. And so, and I think reporters did, and that's probably why they didn't ask. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the takeaways I forgot to address. I had it in my notes that, you know, he was asked about, hey, if you guys kept advancing, if you found a way to win in the wild card round, you think Lamar would have been able to come back? And yeah, he did. 
he did confirm or he, he, he was hopeful. He, 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 that was his expectation. So yeah, you'd like to think that, that he'd be, he, he, you know, he'd be upfront about these things. And it seems as if he has been. And unfortunately, you know, to, to kind of summarize and, and put a wrap on, on, on chef's question, I think, you know, out of, out of trying to do the right thing, it ended up creating, and he never expected this to happen, but we all know how it goes. You know, speculation drives um, viewership, speculation drives ratings. Uh, and and we, we've seen that play out over the last few weeks, if not the last few months in the national media circles as it pertains to Lamar Jackson. Appreciate you, Chef. Ray Hunt checking in right now, and I'll bring up this to go along with it because I think they go hand in hand. Ray writes, maybe now the wide receivers will come out of hiding that big bad Greg is gone. And then the RG three tweet from earlier on that we referenced saying that, that Greg may be uh, one of the greatest run game tacticians I've ever been around at the NFL level, running backs and tight ends love his system because they eat wide receivers. Absolutely hate it. That's why free agent wide receivers didn't want to go to or stay in Baltimore. It was never about Lamar Jackson, you know, to raise point here, Sarah, I, I don't know if I'm going to sit here and believe that a new coordinator, if you were to keep the same wide receiver core that they have right now, which is essentially guys that were middle round picks from a few years ago and uh, a couple, you know, free agents that they picked up this past year for team friendly, short-term deals. I'm not going to sit here and say that if, if it's a new OC, that these guys are going to turn into, you know, big time, true number ones. I just don't think they have it personnel wise, you know, and, and some of them just in terms of where their careers are at, that's just not going to be the case. Sammy Watkins, he's not going to be a part of this team next year. He was, he was picked up off of waivers out of pure desperation. And maybe Demarcus Robinson comes in as like a number three or number four. And I think that'd be great for Baltimore. I really liked what he was able to bring, you know, to the table this year. But uh, to me, I just haven't seen enough ability at this point from, from the offense, from the, from the wide receivers, especially when it comes to creating separation. Yeah. I feel like Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay are for sure part of those plans. And then, you know, if you do bring back a Demarcus Robinson or you do bring back a James Prochet, because James Prochet is still on his rookie contract. And so is Tylen Wallace. And so it's like, they're there. But you need to bring in competition, and hopefully the competition is good enough to where, you know, they're going to make difficult decisions about a guy like Prochet, where it's like, do you want to go find an opportunity somewhere else? Do you want to be on the practice squad? Like, that's how, that's how much better it needs to get, to the point where, like, you don't have room for Prochet anymore. Like, it just – it cannot be – it can't be relying – I mean, the, the, the playoff game was – Prochet and Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins, you can never do that again. Never, never, never. That I don't I don't even want that as the depth. I do not want, you know, I, I wish wish him well and I hope he keeps progressing, but that can't be your depth so that when you go into the playoffs, that's who you've got. So I hope they add some legit established guys. And if a draft pick is in there too, that's great. But there needs to be an established veteran voice in there that can like get things going. Sarah, in the wild card round, they had Mark Andrews lining up outside. Yeah. They were desperate. <laughs> yeah. 
They were desperate. <laughs> Their actions show, showed you, you know, they exposed themselves. They picked off, they picked up Sammy Watkins off of waivers. They had him last year. Obviously he goes to green Bay, gets hurt again. He's barely available throughout the first part of the year. And um, yeah, granted, did he come in? I believe it was on that, that, that Christmas Eve game on, a, on that really cold day and a haul in that like 40 yarder or something from, from Snoop. Yeah, that was great. But what else did he do? I mean, we all like Sammy. He's a, he's a, he's a good dude and he's had a decent career. I think, the, you know, his, his, most of his success took place in, in Kansas city and Buffalo. He's a super bowl champion with, with Kansas city, if I'm not mistaken. But again, he's just, unfortunately, since his rookie season in Buffalo, I think, which was 2014, which I believe those first couple of years overlapped when Greg Roman was in Buffalo He's yet to play a full season since his rookie year. So unfortunately, unavailability has been his Achilles heel. Thanks for the donation, Ray. Next up is Stephanie through the YouTube Super Chat feature. I am sure that Lamar has to feel encouraged that he will have input on the OC hire and the new opportunities it will present. And I'm sure that's what they are going for, Stephanie. You know, they want to they want to make him feel important. Uh, and based on today's press conference, you know, uh, without looking at it too much with with uh, rose colored glasses and, and having a, a sip of Kool-Aid on the side they they want him to be a part of their their future for sure. Edwin checking in talking about the 49ers Bobby Slowick you mentioned him a couple minutes ago and uh looks like you and Edwin are at least on the same page in terms of him being in the ballpark he's a hot name because well everybody in San Francisco is a hot name right now because what they're doing is unprecedented yeah. you know Brock Purdy Mr. Irrelevant it's a great story do it all Jay Hunter checking in. Serious question. Do you guys want someone in-house to replace Jivo or someone outside? He wants someone outside who isn't beholden to Harbaugh and the Ravens. Well, we've, I guess we've seen, you know, most recently when, when they went with Mike McDonald, that while that wasn't an internal hire at the time, Mike cut his teeth in Baltimore for a while before going to Michigan to serve as Jim's a defensive coordinator for just the 2021 season. So if history repeats itself, at least here, you know, in, in the short term, you know, maybe he does look to hire internally, but uh, you know, that, that hardball coaching tree, we know he's leaned on that over the years, Sarah. Yeah. I hope it's somebody outside. Uh, I just, I just feel like anybody internal uh, could still have like too many remnants of what they've done the last four years. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, just, you just have somebody else take it because you're looking at it for too long. So it's hard to see it in a new light. And so I, I would just prefer somebody that sees Lamar in this offense in a new light. I think that's fair. More than fair. Numra, our guy checking in, in your voice. <laughs> All right, Bobby. All right, Bobby. I didn't know you have a voice. <laughs> That's funny. Numer must be a, a loyal listener because yeah. you know, sometimes we have crutches, right? One of yours is off the top of, of every topic. You love starting it like that. And I guess sometimes yeah. I could be, Hey, we all got our crutches and I like how you command it. All right. But, and if I'm not like awake or I'm not paying attention, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. What's yeah. up? <laughs> oh hey, goodness. We're recording at 10 at night. You never know. Let's get it going here. Let's bring in the energy. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, he wants to know, do we go young at offensive coordinator and complimented my forehead? Thank you. Thank you for the, the forehead <laughs> compliment. But uh, yeah, I mean, along the same lines, I think, you know, we'll just, we'll just kind of end the, the offensive coordinator position where you just went. And I think we can both agree that, um, you know, while they have some capable guys in the building, they need experience right now, you know, and then they need a hot mind. And um, whether that's young or, or externally right now, somebody who's called plays before is, is what I would like, you know, instead of an experiment based on how important the next couple of years are going to be uh, for the foundation of this organization. Appreciate you, Numera. Larry Johnson checking in. I think Adam Schefter was frustrated that he didn't have the firsthand knowledge that RG3 had. This goes back to our conversation that we had on actually this morning's vault as we uh, taped this on. Well, we're not taping it. We're live. But on the 19th, if you listened this morning, we kind of in some ways torched Steve Young and Adam Schefter for the way they they handled that Monday night segment countdown uh, with RG three, essentially kind of like dismissing the conversations that he had uh, even that day with people in the organization and with Lamar recently about how it's salvageable and that clearly Lamar couldn't go in the wild card game because of his physical status, not a contract negotiation. And Adam comes back and says, well, both can be true. And, you know, people around the league feel this way. And he's like raising his voice. And then Steve's interjecting and cutting off uh, RG three and dismissing him. I thought it was totally condescending. And uh, I, I just was sort of rubbed the wrong way by all of it. But I think the biggest takeaway was RG three dug his heels in baby. And I loved it. It, it fired me up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, like I said, I just feel like it was um, clear to me after thinking about it, that, Steve Young and Adam Schefter, Schefter are just in the dark. And I think they were just reacting in a way that people in the dark react. And they're not always in the dark because they usually have agents to talk to. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I just thought that the, the logic Adam was trying to sh use wasn't right. Like, well, that may be you just talked to Lamar and the team and he was for sure hurt. But there are people who feel that it's contract related and it's like, so people feel it's contract related, but Lamar and the Ravens just told RG three that he didn't play cause he was hurt. So let it go, let it go. And then, so then finally they were like, okay, well we believe you that he was hurt. And it's like, okay, but you, you guys have on this network have been doing nonstop coverage about that, how it's probably about or insinuating it's about the contract. And as soon as information comes out that it wasn't, you move on to the next salacious rumor. And it's like, well, let's look at this, this Instagram post because that's the more juicy thing than listening to the person who actually just talked to him. So um, it was, it was kind of crazy. Just cycling through a few. Yeah. Just cycling through a few comments rather than questions because we are, we have been on here for about an hour and a half. So we're getting ready to wrap up. If you have any other questions, hit the uh, YouTube super chat feature and uh, let's see here. What else we got? Marcus Barnes checking in, uh, wants to know if the offense will really be built around number eight or the system. And I mean, hey, now the, the, the system's about to, well, okay. I guess the identity is going to stay, but the system actually is about to change, you know, with the new offensive coordinator. So yeah, we'll, I guess we'll see. Hey, was there a question? Did you already cycle through it about 133 million fully guaranteed? Uh, Cause I'm ready for that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And I, and I no longer have it starred and we have like hundreds of comments. So why don't you go ahead and, um, yeah. 
Well, basically, I, what I had seen earlier, because you had it started, so I saw it, is they just said, did, I think the question was, do the Ravens think that offering Lamar $133 million fully guaranteed was fair? And um, I would say absolutely the Ravens would think that was fair, and, and here's why. And I tweeted about this today, um, and I've said this before, Bobby, but I, there's so much misunderstanding about it that I don't care that I repeat myself and Tom Blue in my face. There's a massive difference between fully guaranteed money and total guaranteed money. Total guaranteed money, it's its a really odd name to even use because it's not guaranteed unless you're still on a roster during certain trigger points of the contract. So something might be guaranteed once you hit the third year. Then something might be guaranteed once you hit the fourth year. But if they cut you before you get there, then that guaranteed money is lost. So the only really guaranteed money is what's they're at signing. That's what that's what fully guaranteed is. And when ESPN put out the report, which Eric DeCosta referenced today, and he basically seemed to confirm it because he said the NFLPA put it out and they gave it to, to Chris Mortensen. The, that original report never had the total guarantees offered to, Ray, to, to Lamar Jackson. It was never there. The only thing it gave was the fully guaranteed. And everybody started comparing Lamar's fully guaranteed to Kyle Murray's and Wilson's total guarantees, which is not at all fair. Cause then it made it sound like the Ravens gave an offer that was a slap in the face. The apples to apples comparison, if you're comparing fully guaranteed to everybody's fully guaranteed, it was more. The 133 million was more than what Wilson got, which was 124. And then much more than Murray's, which was 103. So it was 30 million more than Murray who had just gotten a contract last off season. Now it's well short of 230 million guaranteed to Watson. Then just yesterday, and this is we may do. I'm for sure we're for sure going to do this on a lead for a morning vault. Marcus Spears got a text message from Mort because he wanted to get the total guarantees, and Mort's the one that put out the original uh, story. Mort told him that the Ravens offered 200 million total guarantees. We've never had that. We never had that information before yesterday. If that's true. That also beats the two latest contracts from Wilson to Murray because Wilson and Murray had, um, oh, where is it here? I think it's 100. There we go. Uh, Murray got 189.5 million guaranteed. So that built, beat Murray and I'm not seeing Wilson. But the point is, in pretty much every metric, that deal, according to ESPN, was more than every other quarterback, but was short of Watson's $230 million fully guaranteed. So it was short by $30 million. And so do the Ravens probably think that's fair? I'm sure they do because they consider Watson's quarterback an outlier, which – since two, court, two, two deals came after that, did, that did not have fully guaranteed, that, that goes in their favor. That doesn't mean Lamar has to give in. I'm not suggesting that he has to. But do, I, do, do the Ravens think that was fair? I'm sure they do. It beat every quarterback except for Watson. And that doesn't mean that they think he's not as good as Watson. It means that they're not going to do business like the Cleveland Browns, who are a historically desperate organization that constantly makes bad decisions. So they're digging their heels in to not be like the Cleveland Browns, they're not saying, oh, Lamar's worse than Watson. So you can you can feel differently, and I think that's totally justified. I just think that everybody should have the numbers right. They did not offer less than Wilson and Watson. I mean, and maybe Murray. Lamar, 
Yeah. And maybe Lamar is sitting here and saying to himself, no, I, I recognize that. I, yeah. I recognize that, that it's an aberration. Yeah. That it's an, yeah. that it's an outlier, but guess what? Like you said, I beat to my own drum. I'm a unicorn in every sense of the word. I'm going to continue to bet on myself. I'm going to take the franchise tag in my, in my, um, uh, in my sixth NFL season, which is generational money, 40% more than I've, that I've already earned throughout my entire career to date. It's going to be 45.4 million and change. And uh, I'm going to do what I've done since the jump. And that is ever since I showed up to Louisville bet on myself and, um, whether that's right or wrong is not up for us to decide. It's not up for the fan base to decide. We can all have our opinions on it. And yeah, it does seem pretty fair based on what more to say. And I'm looking forward to kind of combing in combing through and, and diving into a lot more of those numbers. But uh, at the end of the day, he is a different cat as Stephen A says. So with that, we are coming up on um, an hour and 40 minutes of, of today's oh. instant reaction to something that we probably needed to do, right? This was uh, hopefully thorough. Hopefully this was uh, informative and you enjoyed it because uh, we certainly did. We, we set a new viewership record with nearly a thousand watching this concurrent, uh, you know, concurrently uh, today's simulcast. And it, it means a lot. And like we said, we, we want to keep reiterating that because it's it's off season, we just want to make it clear that this is a year round show. The vault will be coming to you on a daily Monday through Friday basis uh, year round, even in the off season. So, of course, there's going to be some exceptions here and there. We're going to take our vacations. We're going to do what we do. Sarah's going to be going to Japan in March uh, with with her son, which is exciting. And uh, and I got a bunch planned for the off season as well. But uh, the only request we have for you at this point is if you haven't already done so, if you've been enjoying our content, please subscribe to both channels. That's the vault and the Bobby Trossett YouTube channel. There is consistent content being created on a weekly, if not daily basis. And um, hit that notification bell too, so that you can be notified when we do drop our content, which is mostly around the 5 a.m. Eastern range, uh, Monday through Friday. So that's all I got, partner. I'll let you finish up with a closing thought. And uh, great job tonight. It's been a been a lot of fun, and and now kind of we're fully entrenched in in the off season and in this obviously this ongoing search that just began for their next offensive coordinator. Yeah, my final thought is that I think it was a good day. I think it was the right move to move on from offensive coordinator. Uh, Greg Roman, wish him well, thank him for everything. Uh, he worked his butt off. He was, he's a run coordinator genius. Uh, glad that the Ravens are moving on. I'm glad to hear that they, uh, are going to be bringing in a new, uh, offensive methodology. I'm glad that Lamar Jackson's going to be part of that. I'm glad that there's optimism that Lamar is going to sign, although we're not going to, like you said, drink the Kool-Aid and, and think that's a done deal. Um, but, and then the, 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 the fact that they want to rebuild the offensive or the wide receiver room, I think is great news. So all great news doesn't mean anything until it happens and we'll see the results, but it's good to see that they, at least I think are headed in a direction that fans wanted, wanted to see, uh, you know, I'm sure others wanted more, more changes, but I think it's heading in the right direction. So, uh, you know, I think it was a good day for the Ravens and it's a good way to, to turn the page into the off season. And we'll turn a page with this before we come, before we finish things up, because ESPN did announce this week 
that it's uh, ESPN Films 30 for 30, The Bullies of Baltimore, of course, which is all about the 2000 Super Bowl winning Baltimore Ravens, will premiere February 5th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So mark your calendars accordingly. I've also been in touch. I haven't even told you, th you this yet, partner, but I've been in touch with ESPN Films, and we're hoping to get the director, the co-director on Hi. the show for a little bit of a preview before this one to kind of get us all fired up, seeing as how you know the team is out of the postseason. So we all need something to to kind of sink our teeth into. And again, February 5th, the 30 for 30 on Brian Billick's Ravens, Ray's Ravens, Tony's Ravens. This is going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I just want to say one more thing. And it's really about you, Bobby. Uh, people don't know. I mean, somebody just today on YouTube thought this was that I still work for the team and that we have resources and all that kind of stuff. We absolutely have no connection to the team. I wish we had resources from them. For you, Bobby, to come in tonight for us to do this instant reaction, and you've got tweet graphics, you've got video clips, you've got all this stuff within, you know, 20, 30 minutes of that presser ending. And you're also doing the analysis that you're doing two jobs. You're doing a producer role, maybe three. You're looking through the comments for us. You're you're like doing the back end stuff. You you edit our audio at night. And we're not recording till 10, so you know Bobby's up late. Like, I just think you are a workhorse, and I'm so happy to do this with you, man. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for all your hard work. I'm blushing, and you know that uh, for sure it goes both ways, you know. We we really feel like we have um, have a vision and have come up with something. We, we feel destined for one another, and it has nothing to do with, you know, like it's not romance type of destined. Like it's it's just like a partnership. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just, yeah. you know, you're in Columbus, I'm in Baltimore, and, um, you know, yet we feel like we're we're neighbors and uh, you're my only coworker. So it, it uh it means it means a lot. We're we're now one season in, and hopefully many more to come. And like we said, you know, we, we have uh, we've committed to year round content, and we're gonna go, we're going for it. You know, we got a lot in terms of um you know what our priorities are for this off season that we're gonna attack week by week, and we're gonna continue to create content and, and hopefully you know our, our listeners out there and our viewers will hope you know spread the word for us and and help us out with those those little back-end things that that really go a long way especially with our distribution company blue wire like leaving ratings leaving reviews uh word of mouth and things of that nature because you know over the last several weeks we've been hovering around that that top 80 range in the country when it comes to football category uh, football podcasts uh, according to chartable so that means a lot to us because you know we are a um, one man one woman band you know we don't have any Anyone else this is just us and um you know hopefully we can make some hires down the road but uh yeah thank you thank you for that and and um we got a morning vault to put together for the morning to finish up this uh to finish up this week so with that i will say thank you once again thank you to everyone who tuned in throughout the last hour and almost 43 minutes uh, we hope that it was worth your time we hope that you'll subscribe to our channels we hope that you'll listen to us on audio only podcasts when you're driving or running or walking or cleaning or <laughs> cooking or whatever every, everything else in between yeah the, the, the classic podcasting uh, activity there but uh, yeah so for my partner and co-host Sarah Ellison I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this instant reaction marathon episode all breaking down what we listen to 
from the castle today in terms of the end of season press conference. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much.